along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. I'm Andrew Nicole. And to the show, we're talking about minimising the amount of tax you have to pay. And we have got an interesting question here from listener of the show, Hadley, who has got conflicting advice from two different accountants. Here's the situation and then we're going to dig into it. So they've said, hello, Ed and Andrew. I've got a situation where I'm setting up a look-through company in LTC for my properties. I've got two new builds in there through OPAs and I've got conflicting advice from two very different accountants. So the first accountant has recommended a look-through company with a 99.1% shareholding split. So 99% of the shares held by his wife, 1% sent by him and the accountant has recommended this for tax purposes, noting that they've got a relationship property agreement that would say, hey, in actual fact, it's 50-50 if they ever split. Now, the second accountant has come along and they've advised that having that shareholding, the 99-1 split, would signal to the IRD that I've set this up to maximise my profit and minimising the tax that I've got to pay. And what he's saying here is that this might indicate that our intention is really to sell the property for a profit from capital gain rather than purchase this asset with long-term rental income in mind. So he's worried about the intention rule. So what are your thoughts around this from Hadley? And why doesn't it say love Hadley? That'd be nice. <laughs> now, Andrew, what's the issue that Hadley's worried about here? So the big issue that Hadley's concerned about is signalling to the IRD that his intention is to make capital growth on this property rather than a rental return, which I know all you listeners will be thinking, isn't that everyone's intention? Which kind of is the answer, but the IRD have this thing called the, the intention test. And I'm just reading from the IRD website now, and it says the intention test focuses on what your intention was at the time you purchased the property. If you intended to sell the property, that makes it taxable, right? So you'd think, okay, well, I'm buying this property. My intention is to, in the future, 20 years time, sell it and make a profit. Does that then make it taxable? Well, no, not really. This is if your intention is to sell it right away. If your intention is to rent it straight away, then that's your intention. And the key thing here is that if your intention is to rent it out, then you're only taxed on that rental income and then the capital gain you make later on, as long as you're outside of the bright line test, is tax free. So you don't have to pay money, you don't have to pay tax on that capital gain. Yes, unless you're tainted, in which case you, you make your money through buying and selling properties. Right, so let's just dig in first before we go through the details of the situation. For any new listeners of the show, why? Why would Hadley structure this property purchase in this way? Why would they structure it so that the wife, in this case, has 99% of the shares and he's only got 1%? And the reason you do this is because, in this instance, one partner probably has a lower tax rate. So let's, for instance, say that Hadley, you're a very high income earner, earning over 180k or even over 70k, you're going to be either on a 33% or a 39% tax rate. So any dollar of profit that this property earns is going to be taxed at that 33% or 39% tax rate. Now, if the other partner, in this case the wife, is a lower income earner, if she's earning nothing at the moment, then any dollar of profit this property earns is only going to be taxed at 10.5%. If she earns a bit more money, it might be 17.5%. And so this is where structuring can really help you pay less tax because if you put more shares in the lower income earner's name, 
then you're going to pay effectively a lower tax rate than if it was a 50-50 split where half your profit is taxed at the higher rate and half your profit is taxed at that lower rate. Let me just give you an example of this to really get our heads around this and put this in dollar terms. So let's say that between these two properties, they earn a $10,000 taxable profit. Well, if your tax rate, Hadley, is 39%, and your wife's is 17.5%. So for instance, if she earns something like 30K because she's working part-time, that would be a situation where she might have a 17.5% tax rate. If the shares are 50-50, then the total amount of tax you're going to pay is just over $2,800. If it's structured 99.1 towards her, the amount of tax you're going to pay is just under $1,800. So you're going to save yourself just over a grand per year by changing the shareholding and directing that profit towards the lower income earner. Now, let me ask you this. Does structuring it in this way, Andrew, show that really Hadley's intention is to make a capital gain here? No, not at all. Structuring it in this way shows that they're going to have it as a rental property and it's around tax minimisation. Now, you might be thinking tax minimisation, is that the same as tax avoidance or, or tax evasion? No, tax minimisation is completely legal. You're allowed to structure your properties and your affairs legally in order to not pay more tax than you would have if you'd structured it otherwise. You can't do anything misleading with the IRD, but you are allowed to structure things in an efficient way. And that's included in the new rollover relief rules where you're able to change a property's ownership entity from, say, a look-through company to a trust later on to structure your tax in an efficient way without resetting Brightline. And this is going to become even more important now with old properties being used as rental properties with the interest deductibility rules on loans. If you purchase an old property and you don't have that interest deductibility, you're going to be making a profit from day one, even if you're making a negative cash flow. And that's why it's really, really important to get this tax piece correct at the start. And the whole reason there's an opportunity here is simply because the tax rates are different. So in New Zealand, we are taxed based on what we individually earn rather than what the whole household earns. So if there was a household tax rate, which is actually what United Future proposed many years ago, oh, really? it was a, a wonderful idea. I once ran into Peter Dunn, former leader of the United Future Party at the airport in the Corrie Lounge, and I said that was the best idea any party had ever know. come I don't up know about with. about that. Oh, no. It's it makes so much more sense that if one partner is earning a lot of money, say 100k, and the other partner's not working, then the household, in my view, should be taxed at 100k. Like They should pay the same amount of tax as two people individually earning 50k yeah. together, because in this that instance, one household's going to pay more tax than another household, even though they're earning the same amount of money. Nonetheless, we digress. Now, the key question here, Hadley, that you've got <laughs> is, does it matter that the relationship property agreement says that it should be split 50-50 in the event of a breakup and that your look-through company is structured 99% towards one partner and 1% towards the other. Now, to get an answer on this, we called up friend of the show, Matt Harris, who is an ex-IRD investigator and a property tax accountant. And he said, look, in this instance, your de facto relationship or your property relationship agreement is going to override what happens in your shareholding and that structuring it in this way should not cause any issues in terms of the IRD. He didn't think that would be an issue. No, and actually another way that he put it is because ownership is one thing, but relationship relationship property kind of overrides everything. So think of it as, uh, in this case, say Ed and Kelly decided to buy a property and they're in a de facto relationship and assume they didn't have a relationship property 
agreement which outlined what happens in the event of a separation. Now, if Ed goes and buys a property in his name, so all of the tax is 100% uh, his responsibility, and then he goes and sells it, makes a profit, well, that profit can be subject to relationship property, despite the fact that 100% of the ownership was in his name. Now, the other thing that I've got to ask you, Andrew, is how often do you come across a situation like this? And would this be a pretty standard structure for somebody in this situation like Hadley is? Yeah, more and more. I guess we do get married a lot later now. And so as such, we do have a lot more relationship property agreements. People come into relationships with different amounts of money sometimes. And they do have an agreement so that in the event of a separation, they get back what they put in at the start, maybe. So yeah, it's becoming more and more common to have a structure like this. And I don't think I would have done anything different, especially after discussing it with Matt. And I think what this really shows is that accountants will view things differently, especially if they have different specialisations. So the first thing after I read Hadley's email was to shoot an email back saying, am I right in assuming that the accountant who suggested the 991 structure is a property specialist and perhaps the other one is more of a business type accountant who helps in other areas of your finances. And he shot back an email there kindly who said, yes, that's basically the story. The first one is a property specialist. And so the key thing here is just remember that not all accountants are equally skilled in all aspects of an accounting. So this first one, who's recommending this specific structure is probably very skilled in property, understands what the IRD rules are, and more importantly, how they are applied. The second one might be a great business accountant, but just doesn't have those same expertise in property. Now, I don't know who these two accountants necessarily are, but typically that is what we see when you start to get conflicting advice. And my question for you is, Andrew, how do you figure out when you've got two accountants, both who are probably very skilled, how do you figure out whose advice to take in that situation? I think you always have to go with the specialist. So someone who is specialising in property transactions, probably someone that's investing themselves, that would be my advice. The relationship property side of things, that is a legal stance. You need to get legal advice on that. So maybe that's a conversation for a lawyer who deals in property and relationship side of things rather than your accountant, but an accountant who specialises in property for the tax advice and a lawyer who specialises in property for the legal structure. And this part of property is probably one of the most technical and one of the most interesting. So if you want to learn more about structuring and the different opportunities and using a trust versus a look-through company versus holding in your own name, then I definitely suggest checking out the webinar we recorded last year with Matt, where we had the game show Pilfered or Protected, (laughs) which we should bring back next year because boy, that was a fun webinar to do. I'll link that webinar in the show notes. So tap or swipe over the cover art. There'll be a link in there. Although we're talking about property accounting, which is technical and in some ways a wee bit boring. I think that was a lot of fun and it will teach you exactly what you need to know about structures and the thinking behind this. So again, that'll be down in the show notes. Now let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast because it really does help us get the message out to more people. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And we'll be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 